Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show, Mr. David Bugle, Neil Dobbs and myself, Roy Shanahan. On a weekend at Liverpool, again added to the trophy cabinet, beating Chelsea on penalties in the FA Cup. And Dave, it was a game that, well, again, lacking goals, which is a big disappointment for the neutral, but it still packed a bit of action. Yeah, n- not quite the same, but a bit samey to the Carabao Cup, where <clears throat> it was a decent nil-all cup final where there was a few chances and a few glaring uh, chances. Um, and as we were just talking off air, like, yes, Liverpool were slightly better this time. It was very much, maybe they were the slightly better team compared to Chelsea in the last one. But um, yeah, just a tense tight affair. And then the longer it went on, you could kind of feel like it was going to go the same way again. And then we're having a bit of crack with the lads going, will they bother their arse with Kepa again? Or will they leave that clear? But yeah, it was it was a weird bit of deja vu feeling. But thankfully, the penalty show, it wasn't quite as tense this time. And we got it done a little bit earlier than the last one. Yeah, Neil, a little bit different this time. They looked more fatigued in this game than they did uh, beforehand. You may, I suppose, talk about the the Champions League final because the Champions League final, if they're fatigued now, what are they going to be by the time the Champions League final comes around? Yeah, they they like they gave a good maybe 20, 25 opening minutes where they came out full guns blazing and everything was good and you were thinking this was great. But uh, Liverpool are beginning to, I don't want to say stutter, but they're definitely beginning to, uh, they've, they've an inability to, to continue for 90 minutes at that pace if need be. Um, and especially when you don't get a goal in that early period where you need to be scoring, that you can control the game. And then as Liverpool do, they generally pin a team in and it becomes a little bit easier then. So I guess the game plan was to go at Chelsea a bit faster and harder this time and maybe put them away early, at least get up a goal and then see what happens. But the longer that game went on, you just kept creeping into your head with every kind of missed chance that, you know, you're going to get hit eventually with the sucker punch, which they nearly did. There was a couple of scrapes wide. Uh, Alisson took off some good saves and then uh, they dragged a couple of shots wide. But um, yeah, you definitely feared for them as it went on. But for Liverpool, fatigue, you know, Virgil van Dijk, Mo Salah, two players that play every minute of every game. And Robertson. And Robertson all of a sudden now have pulled up at the same time, which was... Mm unbelievable Fabinho pulled up last week that was a big loss and what you're going to see the knock-on effect of that is now Henderson isn't really a 90-minute man twice a week anymore and he's your only six so whether he pivots Milner maybe for the Southampton game would be interesting to see whether he ejects fresh legs and Jones and Ox which you haven't seen at all but he's going to have to change the lineup drastically from the Saturday game because they just don't have the, the too many of them have too many miles in the legs at this stage of the season yeah, Neil, what did you make of Lukaku? There was a big thing that he was going to be playing. He did play. How did he fare out, in your opinion? Um, I think he did okay insofar as I think he was limited in the service that he got, and particularly in the first half. I thought Klopp, whether he knew Lukaku was starting ahead of time, playing Kanate was a very, very good idea because I just thought Kanate didn't put up on any physicality from Lukaku. He bullied him, as did Virgil van Dijk. And I just don't think Lukaku fancies going up against guys when they can out-muscle him. Um, but he was, I won't say he's a forlorn figure, but... He was definitely starved of service and the more the game went on, I wasn't really worried that he was going to be the one that would hurt Liverpool. It was more of a Pulisic uh, type of player that I thought was going to make a bit of a difference. Um, Just on that note, I was in the pub obviously watching it out in the courtyard and we didn't have great commentary. And I kept saying to myself, I'm missing something here with Chelsea's midfield. Are they not playing Mason Mount? This is on 42 minutes. Oh, you said it in the second half. All of a sudden, there they were on the right wing. 
could not believe how anonymous he was. But mm. pre-game, I would be worried about Mount and Pulisic equally. And obviously Havertz had he started. Um, but I thought it played into Liverpool's hands a little bit, not having that extra bit of dynamicism up front with a Kai Havertz. And you're relying too much on Pulisic, mainly because Mason Mount, I just thought, went missing. And Mason yeah. Mount has lost six Wembley finals now. Wow. Hasn't won a Wembley final. And missed a penalty. Yeah. And missed a penalty. Dave, what do Chelsea have to do to get over the line in these competitions? Because you, you go out and you spend big money on a striker. You're expecting goals, uh, return of goals there. That hasn't happened. Does, does that mean they have to go out now and get someone else in? Or are they, are they going to back on them again next year? I don't think... It doesn't look like Tuchel is his... Not, not his biggest fan, but I don't think he is willing to put the effort into him to get him to... to to fall into shape and what, what Chelsea want. So it's very likely. Um, but then again, if they have this new billionaire owners, they'll probably want to put their stamp and want to freshen it up anyway. So um, there probably will be a bit of a splurge in the summer. Now, whether Lukaku goes, it'd be an interesting one, but it doesn't seem like Tuchel's willing to put in the time to really get him to slot into the system that they want to play. I think it was a tactical thing yesterday to try and get a bit of muscle in and bully him up a little bit, bash Liverpool around a little bit maybe, but it obviously didn't work. Um but future Chelsea, potentially, it could be elsewhere now. And as I said, with new owners coming in, they'll probably want a, a bit fresh and they'll have a, a, a feel for players they want to see in Chelsea Blue. So it'll be, they'll, they don't have to scrap everything, but they maybe they have a few too many options that he, maybe even Tuchel's still figuring out and he doesn't quite know what, what he's what he's going to do. Because Pulish is as good as he is, comes in and out. Havertz comes in and out. Werner gets a little, like it's all... Is is he still feeling his, his way around, or is he tr- like 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 their 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 sides quite inconsistent what they pick? So mm. maybe he's figuring it out as well. So um, yeah, Chelsea are going to be a bit of a, a bit of a Rubik's cube, a bit of a conundrum now for next year to see exactly you, where they're going to go. You look at Rudiger's gone. That's a huge hole yeah. in the defense, and he stood out again yesterday. He's fine, another fine game. Silva's a good player, but you know it's going to catch up on him when you're that age. It could happen yeah. halfway through next season where he starts to get found out. So there might be a big hole there. You look yeah. at Kante. How long is Kante going to play second yeah. fiddle? You know because yeah. Kovacic and and Jorginho are there. Alonso and now Ben Chilwell come back. You don't know how he's going to come back. So there's some a couple of big decisions there, Dave. Absolutely, and obviously because. Whatever about Liverpool, Liverpool are still going to be there next year, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. But City will always be there. That, that's no denying. And there's still a long way to go if you want to try and catch up with these guys. So without a doubt, what they have is not enough. Uh, we all thought maybe it was going to be this year. And rightly so. We had a reason, especially after winning the Champions League last year. But um, a bit stale. Not stale, but just just didn't quite happen this year. And there's, as I said, rhymed off a lot of players there. They've been... Fits and sp- um, fits and sports kind of coming in and out, and a b- bit of inconsistency. Like they're not really getting a consistent eleven, and yeah, he's going to have to kind of maybe put his stamp on it, maybe with new owners, and we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, and there's an agent side, so it, it's going to be a fun one um, for Chelsea uh, for for the summer. Yeah. Okay, Neil, we'll, we'll just touch on to the, the Champions League final because, as we said, there's a few players there, tired legs. You don't know. Uh, who will be out of that competition at the moment as well? How do you how do you view it now as a Liverpool, especially when the next two games, Southampton and maybe some people are listening to this and, and they've already beaten Southampton, but <laughs> the Southampton game and, and the final game of the season, that's still two games to go before they play then, and they can't be resting people. Yeah, it's it's a conundrum now, Roy. Insofar as I was talking to a, a real life scouser yesterday, and he was saying 
in many ways, if Manchester City thumped West Ham six or seven nil tomorrow, it could be a blessing in disguise because Liverpool can almost go, well, that's it. You know, you ain't going to overhaul the goal difference and now you can rest the guy Tuesday and Saturday. They're not in that luxury now because you're still clinging, you know, to the hope of something happening. So West Ham have opened a kind of worms there now today. For Liverpool, Roy, um, you're already looking two weeks ahead for Fabinho. Uh, there's an element of risk now around Van Dijk, who literally they cannot... I think, strangely enough, isn't it amazing how, how it changes in the space of four months? With Luis Diaz coming in, we're now le- and Mane's form since Christmas. You're less reliant on Mo Salah all of a sudden, which is yeah. great. You've got Jota in there who can slot. And now Van Dijk becomes out of... Between Van Dijk, Fabinho and Salah, Van Dijk becomes the biggest player that needs to be fit for that final. But again with Van Dijk, like, you've got to look back through the medical history here. He's one year off the ACL and he has played most 90 minutes he will start and it'll be him and A another. So big decision from Klopp against Southampton uh, and then on the weekend then as well of what he's going to do. But I think he was clever with Robertson and he has Simicus now ready to step into his boots. I think he's clever enough with Trent that he has uh, Gomez to step in. Curtis Jones can step into the midfield. But now all of a sudden we're running out of options. And I mean guys that have been playing in the last four to eight weeks that are kind of match ready. Firmino now thankfully got minutes into the legs yesterday. So that gives you even more options up front. So funnily now Salah doesn't become the be-all and end-all, although I'm sure he'll be ready for the final. But I would be more worried about Henderson over Bacon because you can't play him three games in a row like that. And Van Dijk is a big question mark. So he's going to have to earn his his badges now, uh, Klopp will, on this one. Dave, the league is definitely not over after oh, West yeah. Ham drew today to all with Manchester City. It's a game that you're saying if City had won that today, you would have been... Yeah. Well, they like, wouldn't nearly give up on, on the league. But now it's given that glimmer of hope. And then when you look at the back line that they have, Zinchenko, very poor and uh, left full, as in his positioning is yeah. a real a real problem for them at the moment. Cancelo is better when he's on the left-hand side and they have Walker on the right. And they have Laporte and Fernandinho in centre uh, back because they have injury problems back there. So there's still hope. Yeah, without a doubt. And then, of course, the added spice of a beam villa. You've got Gerard who can have a, a real say in the title. Then you've got a few ex-scousers there who probably want to mix it up a little bit with your Coutinho's and Ings of this world. Um, and look, it's it's the one last hurrah before you can get the flip-flops on and off his go. And let's get in the mix. You know, like QPR did famously 10 years ago and made a great game of it with the famous Aguero goal. So that's what you want. You want a bit of drama look like everything we've said many a time at City, they score early, it's game over. Like They very rarely give it up. If, 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 if Villa can keep them quiet for 10 to 15 minutes and build themselves slowly into the game and make it tight, it'll just tighten up City a little bit and that's when it could be interesting. But it's all about a, a good, strong start and keeping them quiet and not getting them uh, with a snip because you see in the first 10 minutes in the second half, like City started to play like City again and I was like, right, oh, here we go. Once they got that goal, I, I was actually fully convinced they were going to come back and win the game. So surprised they didn't actually in the end. But, should have, should have with the penalty miss. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, that's what it's going to be about. Get a good, strong start. Keep them quiet, you know, because um, Pep gave it the big one. We're going to have a sellout next week. It'll probably be the first time they'll have a sellout all season with the massive club that they are, you know. But uh, uh, look, it, the fact that it's Villa and Gerrard as well just brings a bit of spice. It's up to Liverpool now to make sure they do the job on Tuesday. But as Neil has been saying there with the players, it's going to be an interesting pick 
uh, of a team and like will it be enough to get the, the result because the goal difference is gone now and Liverpool shouldn't be relying on that it's just with the hope that City can drop points again and Liverpool get two wins by any means necessary but like just to quickly go back to the Liverpool piece you know they've been pretty much playing 12 to 13 players consistently for the last eight weeks it's been very much the same team and I think maybe that's what's starting to bite them now few lads a little bit uh, tired because like the midfield only changes between Naby and Jordan Henderson it's been Thiago and Henderson or Fabinho the whole way and then the odds Diaz comes in or Jota comes in so very very interesting and uh yeah it's starting to take its toll so between the two teams there's been a bit of a war of attrition between them and, and City so um look Liverpool do the job on Tuesday then we can have have a bit of spice and they can crank up the whole Gerard piece with Villa and slips and whatever else they want to bring up I wonder, Roy, will uh, will Klopp take a risk on Tuesday night and bring in almost the FA Cup team, if you catch me drift, Curtis Jones, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Like, he could risk it for an hour. And he's done this before where he's given him 60 minutes and then unloaded a couple of big guns off the bench. Now, if you do it and you get away with it, it's brilliant. If you do and you end up with egg in your face and it costs you a title, it's a different story. So you probably need balls of steel for this. But I think if he's ever going to do it, three games after a cup final that went to extra time and penalties with two of your main players hobbling off the field. Maybe now is the time to gamble. A huge gamble, but it could be a worthwhile gamble. Okay, so would you risk it? Uh, I would bring in, yeah, I, I I would at least in the midfield with Henderson, I'd wrap him in cotton wool. I'd go Kanate and Matip at the back. Um, and I would start Milner in there with Curtis Jones and a whichever between Thiago and... Kieda are most are, are, are have better legs for for the Tuesday night. Okay, all right. Um, Neil, what does it say about uh, Ake at Manchester City that you can't get in ahead of a midfielder? It doesn't doesn't give him much confidence, I'd say. No, and he, I tell you, Roy, he couldn't even get in um, when uh, when Kyle Walker hobbled off the pitch against Madrid. He couldn't even get in a fullback as well. He brought Fernandinho. It tells you a couple of things, Roy. Pep is ruthless and he he likes what he likes. And he doesn't make any mistake, you know, make no bones about it. He was making who he thought was a stronger uh, partnership with Fernandinho in there. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of experience. And let's be honest, Ake, of all the signings that City made, albeit inflated when it was made, and even probably more so now, would be the one name that you would go, he is a weakness. And if you look at Sinchenko, uh, Ake, you couldn't afford to have the two of them playing in your back four. So, um I do agree with it insofar as I, I, I would back Fernandinho for his experience over Ake at the moment. Even if you go back to City's, a couple of their stranger results when they were resting uh, players between Champions League games, Ake, you know, when they conceded goals or where they were under pressure, it's because he wasn't as good with the ball as V playing out. And teams fancied it a little bit more when he was in the back line compared to Laporte, compared to Stones and Diaz. Okay, right. We're going to move on to because uh, that's a big weekend next weekend. I'm looking forward to watching it, and I'm looking forward to talking about it afterwards. Uh, but we're going to move on to the relegation zone. Something else that we're all looking forward to seeing. Um, and again, another weekend where they've chipped away a little bit at each other, but got no further away from each other. You looked at Burnley getting beaten one 0 by Spurs. Not fairness. I think everyone probably thought that that was going to happen anyhow. Uh, Leeds uh, got their one point that they. It was a valuable uh, point because their goal difference is absolutely shocking. It's minus 20 uh, less than Burnley, so they really needed that extra point to go one point ahead of them. And Everton, who were 2-1 up uh, and down to nine men eventually, but uh, lost 3-2 against Brentford. They're really, really going to this till the end. 
the question is, can Burnley nick the points off Aston Villa and Newcastle to jump the other two? Because the other two can lose the two games and still stay up. Yeah, it's just been mad uh, for the last three weeks straight. It's, yeah, Burnley are done, then Leeds are done, then Everton are done. And it's like, ah, typical. Like, you know, this, this is why we love football and it's just nuts. Um, I, that Leeds point could be massive. Absolutely massive. Um, Burnley, Villa, Villa, Newcastle, you're kind of hoping, you know, typical end of season, the flip-flops are on. Some of the lads are already kind of halfway there. Villa, you know, safely in mid-table with Newcastle. But then again, you know, Newcastle boys might be still wanting to make sure they're in that team next year when they're going to be making loads of boys. So you'd expect Newcastle to be up for it. So there's no guarantees. And it's never easy for guys down the bottom, you know, like even soon has said it after the game. There's certain things where you just you just you just don't get the look. So to be honest, um, you can't really you're not re- you're not going to get an easy game no matter who they are at the minute. You know the fact that Everton have two matches, you think they'll still have enough, and maybe between Leeds and Burnley. But then again, this time next week it could easily be Everton. That's how well, bonkers this let's is. Let's look at Everton, Dave. They've got. On Thursday night, they have uh, Crystal Palace at home. And then yeah. on Sunday, they're away to Arsenal. So mm. neither are easy games. And the way Everton are playing at the moment, yeah. it, they're so unpredictable. You don't know what any player is going to do at any given time. I mean, Rondon came on for four oh. minutes and then got sent off, you know. So, like, like it, that, that's nuts. Uh, like the, the first one was unlucky. Like it wasn't malice or anything like that. It was just one of them professional fouls or whatever they call it with them um, Braithwaite. But like you look at Leeds and the trouble that Ailing and Dan James put them under with two stupid tackles and two red and Rondon's is something similar. You know, this is what's like they're losing their heads. Richarlison is very moody when he's good. He's very, very good. But when he's bad, he's rotten and he's a bit like Coleman even today, like three yards sitting there with your hands behind your back for the OG. Why aren't you trying to get at him and block the cross? Two of them are just looking at him. You're kind of going, you're like when they watch that tomorrow or the video analysis, they'll be like, geez, no wonder we're where we are. Um, Everton at home, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. They've only played well once, and it was the very first home game when Lampard took over. Um, so home or away is irrelevant for Everton. Um, it's, and when it's you look at Dave, I, I, I question it really bothers me when you yeah. look at Rondon goes in on a ridiculous tackle, a tackle that could break a leg if the, if, if the player's foot is stuck to the ground, mm-hmm. then he gets up apologises and runs off and starts clapping the crowd and then Lampard gives him a high five and you're going, what the hell is going on in this club? You know, yeah. don't be giving him a high five. Call him an F in Egypt be- yeah. when he goes off and, you know, you'll never play for this club because that's ridiculous stuff, you yeah. know. And now they don't have oh, that option now. Calvin Lewin was holding hamstrings and everything so you don't even have a replacement for him then when he's on. So yeah. I-, I can't understand that. I'm not sure that Frank Lampard has that... Oh, what is it? Anger, desire to, you know, ruthlessness to really push that team to get out of relegation. If they do, fair play, but he needs to be, yeah, they need to know that he's he's the boss. And let's put it this way. If that was Klopp and he was coming off the pitch like that, He'd have that crook of face. I don't even on. think he'd look at him. I think he no, did. He wouldn't there, go no, no one hear him for a high five. Yeah. No, no, there'd look, be no I can't believe that at all. So when you look at Burnley, again, talk about Burnley just because them 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 couple of matches are, are going to be crucial for them. The Villa one, the, Neil, do you reckon they're going to be Villa away from home? It's going to be a tricky one. I'm thinking maybe they get the point there and it comes down to the Newcastle game at home. 
you know what, right? Like they can stay up in goal difference, can't he? Because they're a point. Is it a point yeah, between yeah. them and Leeds? Wouldn't yeah. surprise me if they, if, if Burnley got one point out of two games, Leeds got no points out of two games, and Leeds get relegated in goal difference. I mean, it's the finest of finest of margins. But I will say one thing, Roy. Having watched a lot of Burnley since Dyche has left, or at least a lot more there, uh, I do feel they're going to get one point at least. I do think they will. The question is, obviously, then, are those around them going to kind of outdo them? But um, Okay, so they get that point, Neil. They get that point against, uh, we'll just say against Villa, whoever it is, at the first game. That means they go ahead of Leeds on goal difference. Leeds can't overturn that because it's 20 different goals. They're playing Brentford away on the last day. Brentford have an inspired season. Ericsson has been an inspired player. They're at Mm. home. They want to do it for their fans on the last day. They want to put on a show. That that's that's a hell of a tough game. So massive game. When we look at that game, and you look at what way it's laid out, if Burnley get a point during the week, we could nearly be saying goodbye to Leeds, couldn't we? Yeah, I and that's why I think right, I genuinely think that uh, Burnley's best chance of getting our relegation for the end of the season is to get one point out of two games and pray to God that Leeds don't get any. I genuinely think that. I just And as Dave is saying, it's so unpredictable. Like, let's be honest, Borley could go out and put four past someone next week and you go, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. It's just, yeah. the, the, the dogfight is incredible. It'll be who wants it the most, who deals with the pressure the most, the professionalism, you know, how the managers handle them, how they, we're just referring to Frank Lampard there. Someone has to grab control of these players and remind yeah. them of the situation they're in and stop letting their teammates down by doing very similar for very silly things. So maybe, you know, that little bit of tactical news of one of the other teams to get them over the line might be all that makes the difference. We've seen great relegation battles over the years, last minute goals, was it Gareth Fardy forever? And you know, little moments torn a massive club around. So for Burnley, yeah, as I say, I think for a point good, if they keep steady heads, maybe more for Leeds, I'd be worried about Leeds in the position that they're in. And if they can do their job Arsenal are going for the Champions League with yeah. the Spurs. They're playing Newcastle away. Again, Newcastle last home game. They want to do something for them after uh, an inspired turnaround. Um, but they will have a game, no matter what, against Everton to try and get Champions League football. So Everton are not going to get anything easy either. So it's going, to be a, it's going to be a really, really tough situation for them all. And for the neutral, it's absolutely brilliant that that uh, came around. But for me at the moment, if I was to pick a team... I have a funny feeling Leeds are going to go down. I just think Burnley, yeah. as you said, might nick that point. Everything mightn't have to get anything now in, the, in yeah. the last couple of games because if Leeds, it comes down to whether Leeds can get a win against Brentford or not, I would say. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll have a look at it next week and uh, we'll analyse what we, 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 we thought and, and what came to fruition. But we will go to that, Dave. Arsenal and Spurs, the, the two of them have, in all fairness, since... Just before Christmas, and of course when Conte came in, the turnaround has been, I would say, nearly miraculous with Arsenal because they were absolutely dire at the start of the season. And deservedly so, the two of these are battling it out for that last position. Uh, Chelsea may not have, if they didn't start off as well as they did, may not have got that uh, third place. So in your thoughts now, Arsenal obviously the favourites, two games to go. They win the two games, that's it. But as I said already, Newcastle and Everton aren't going to be easy games for them. No, far from it. And credit to them because, like, Jesus, we had nothing good to say about them at the start of the year. They lost the first three matches and looked rudderless. And you're thinking, where is this going? And you're questioning uh, Arteta, is he good enough? But in fairness to him, there is a, an inner steel in him without a shadow of a doubt. But And it's slowly but surely coming into the 
coming into the side. Obviously, Aubameyang be, uh, going seemed to have kind of lift, galvanised the team, and up front now they really start to click again, and that just seems they seem to be a team again. Because, like to be honest, like we're Liverpool fans, and and like and I was only talking about it to, to lads yesterday when you're watching Liverpool run after play uh, teams and stuff like the basic stuff that fans love to see. You know, it, it's just it, that's what you want to see, and and we know we have a team who work their arse off for each other, and you're starting to see elements of that with the likes of Arsenal and even Spurs to an extent, but definitely with Arsenal, they're starting to become a side who are all rowing in the same direction and Odegaard pulling the strings in the midfield with the with the lads who are up front and Martinelli really starting to show his class as well and your Sackers of this world who really came on since the Euros and, and, and took it on the chin. But it's a prop, it's starting to become a proper side and a proper team who are very cohesive. And that's the be that's the be all and end all. We're only talking about Everton there. Like Everton have some good players, but they're a shy team. Like they're not together. They're all over the place. And that's Everton. I'm not saying we'll be up there challenging them, but they should be higher up the field if they had a bit, bit more of a cohesive unit. But Arsenal have definitely pulled it together and uh, have become a decent eleven, regardless of um, losing players of the quality of Aubameyang. But it, they're starting to become a very strong unit and uh, not not a team I'd like to play uh, all that often. Like I used to always rub my hands when it was Arsenal. Now it's kind of like not look forward to this fixture again. Um, which is which is what you what which is what you want to see. You want to see more up more up there because the gap is too big. So more the merrier and bring United in as well. Hopefully next year and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle, Neil. If new if they beat Newcastle, uh, great comes down to the last game. But if they lose against Newcastle, they'll be two points behind. And Spurs play Norwich. Sure, that's a done deal. Yeah, guaranteed win. Guaranteed win. You know, there's no way you, you can see an upset there. And again, they're too professional to let it happen. So, listen, yeah, it, it is a great race, Roy. And I mean, let's be honest, when you were looking back pre-Christmas, I don't think many of us would have really kind of said Arsenal are going to be there, thereabouts. But as Dave said, they're credited them for pulling their act together and kind of getting, you know, a bit more solidity. I wonder, Roy, when I look at, you know, some of the managers, I think Conte, what you see is what you get. I'd say he's a hard so-and-so in front of the camera and behind the scenes. It's Arteta, and just listen to Dave say to Arteta what he's done. I have a feeling that Arteta off the camera, I can I can see him going in and grabbing the dressing room. I don't think, yeah. I think he can be very diplomatic and he can sometimes get himself into trouble by speaking his mind to the cameras. But I get the feeling that when they were going through them hard times and they had some bad losses, I would I, I just get the, the notion that he can grab that dressing room. Once he got rid of a Yang, they've gone from strength to strength. So he was the bad apple. They got rid of him. And I mean, listen, where they're what they're doing now without a guy like Aubameyang because he didn't bother his arse, and um, justifies the kind of steal that the manager has. So it's a, yeah. it's a good sign for Arsenal that he he can do that. Yeah. Okay, Dave. We'll just move on to transfers because we know one transfer that has been concluded, and that's Erling Haaland going to Manchester City. What does that mean? The the betting says that five to four Manchester City to win the league next year. Uh, they're the favourites by a, a clear distance. Is that the way we see it? Does that one player cement um, it for them? Whether he was in the, whether he came in or not, City should really be the favourites. Like um, maybe a bit closer with Liverpool if if they didn't sign somebody like him. But you know, City are going to be strong anyway. Listen, I'd be a bit like you, Roy, in in, in terms of the Bundesliga. I'm very much looking forward to him. He's a very much a hot young talent who can really potentially be one of the best around. But you know, now he's coming into the Premier League and that's a that's going to be a, a fair reflection on just how good he can be because obviously the Bundesliga is a is a funny one, you know. Um there's some some guys don't quite bring it to the table when they go to kind of the more competitive leagues in either Spain or, or, or England. Um 
you know, I've watched them a bit. I wouldn't have seen, said, said I watched a hell of a lot this year. They can be a bit heavy touched and stuff like, 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 uh, like his feet. You know, he can kind of, he's a bit heavy with his touch a little bit. But then again, if anyone's going to, uh, kind of make him more silky it's going to be Pep Guardiola so that's going to be intriguing and refine him because he is a powerhouse he definitely has pace to board and he's a big lad so it'd be nice to see kind of Guardiola kind of putting his little silky touch on him and kind of maybe uh, like refining him so to speak but um, it doesn't mean it's 100% guaranteed because you just don't know Um, as I said with the Bundesliga it's an interesting barometer but look do we expect him to come good when when you've got a a team like City who will provide a hell of a lot of chances for him You'd expect them to be banging in. He'd be. I'd be expecting them to 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 beat the twenty goal mark. That's for sure. From what I've seen of them, and any time I've watched them play live, of course you see highlights all over the place. Mm. And they're they're neither here nor there. But when you see him play live, he does he does score goals, all types of goals. It's not just his tap ins. Yeah. It's you know awkward goals, uh, creative volleys, headers powering through players so he has many ways of scoring a goal and that's the only thing that I would say compared to other German players he's not a German player but from the German league that have come through the likes of Werner and all they they were all kind of one trick ponies they had their thing but he seems to be nailed someone who can do something a little bit different and as Dave said if he's if he's that you know rough diamond he can be he can shine under Pep Guardiola yeah, it, look, I, I think we're all dying to see what Pep does with him. I mean, look what he's after doing to uh, to, to Grealish. He, he's not rushing him. Some might say he's ruining him, but he's changed the way he's played. And now we have to wait to see what type of player Grealish develops into. But I wouldn't be worried if I were Grealish because I think Pep will know when to bring him in, bring him out and how, how to evolve him into the team. With Haaland Roy, bear in mind, he's after keeping Jack Grealish on the uh, the season for the best, or sorry, on the bench for the best part of his season. He's 100 million. Haaland comes in on big wages, but what was he, 50, 60 million? So it wouldn't even surprise me that Pep left him out of the side at times and slowly but surely introduced him to, to put a mark on the way that he plays. The one thing I will say is, and, and I think the reason why they're buying uh, Haaland after the kind of spores debacle last year where he got let down is, and it got highlighted in the Madrid game, Madrid City should have been absolutely out of sight in that game. Five, six goals to the good. They were hitting bars. They were studs of keepers. They were by a by an inch. They were out of that game. And you would imagine if Haaland got presented with the chance that Jesus got um, Bernardo and particularly Grealish, he's going to put one of them in the back of the net, yeah. and that gives you an extra goal. So listen for a, a club like City to have that type of player with that type of armory in your side. Um, it's the big games you imagine that they want him to come good. Um, but again, we all watch with interest to see what way Pep integrates and will he have like he scores a lot of true ball goals you see in the German league yeah, he, well, he mix it up a little bit in their play in now. It, it gives them another um the, you know the way we've said well I've said a few times they kind of kill you with it like a death of a thousand paper code like like, yeah. when it, like the way they they could be a little bit more direct from time to time now and mix it up a little bit and kind of I mean you got people like De Bruyne who can put it on a sixpence you know like counterattacks could be a lot and would it be they, like, they're, they're going to finish on 93 points this year if they win next week right I mean I don't think he's going to add more points to them I just think he'll put teams away with fewer chances remember that statistic in the Champions League where he got something like something crazy like it was like 25 goals out of something like 30 chances it was really really high compared to Mbappe compared to even Neymar Messi and um, so maybe that's who's looking at that conversion rate that just gets you over the line quicker and you know as I say we wait and see okay yeah it's um, finally we go to the drama that is Manchester United it's um 
It's two of the two players, right? It's an interesting weekend this weekend. Uh, Simply Harry Maguire and Jesse Lingard had a go at each other this week in training. And um, I, I believe that Lingard is looking to not be part of the Manchester United squad to go and play the final game of the season. I think Harry Maguire had a right go at him and I think there was a bit of a bit of fisty cuffs, a bit of maybe handbags that went on, but a, a big fight anyhow. Uh, no harm, that's probably a good thing. Uh, and yeah. finally, maybe Harry Maguire uh, maybe using that head for something other than uh, heading the ball. But it seems that Eric Ten Hag is coming into Manchester on Monday to start work behind the scenes uh, Ranić obviously is going to finish off the season, so it's interesting because he's supposed to be going on an end of season tour or trip with Ajax, and that has been scrapped. The, the, the team are going off and uh, celebrating their championship, but he's going straight to work and obviously sees the problems. Neil, it's going to be a very interesting one, isn't it, with Manchester United? Because this is not one or two players. This is this is a club that needs fixing. Yeah, like first and foremost, Roy, great decision to get in early. The earlier he can get in ahead of the Premier League starting, like you don't want him arriving in in August, July. You need him in as soon as you can. Um, I like, I, I think it's a fascinating scenario with Ranić taking over. Will there be a passover of information? Will he care? Will Ten Hag care? Um, surely he's seen what's gone on behind the scenes. You know, the the leaking, like that Jesse Lingard thing is prime example. The brother came out last week and slated Man United for not giving him a lap of honour or whatever the bloody hell it was. Like, come on, what is going on in that dressing room? Paul Pogba will be out of his way, so there's one way to out the bloody gap. Um, you need He needs a clear house. He needs to be ruthless. We said about Thomas Tuchel when he went into Chelsea, not that he cleared guys out, but he was very purposeful and ruthless from day one. Gave everyone a chance, and then when you weren't one of his players, you were offloaded, you were gone, you were frozen out. And that's what he needs to do. He needs to, from day one, minute one, get into that bloody dressing room and assume control because there's too many egos in there. There's too many noises coming out. If I were him, the first thing I'd literally do is no more social media leaks, no more crap coming out after the game. You don't get your game. You don't get on. If I hear about it through social media or whinging, you're gone. And that would be a good starting point for him. But obviously then he's got to get the transfers right, Roy. I mean... You know, this time last year, they needed a centre-back, a right-winger and a centre-forward. And now this year, they need 11 new players. Like, it's just, it's probably a very demoralising year for them. But he needs to clear out the dead weight. Your Juan Matas, your Pogba's, uh, uh, Matic, you know, these guys that have just been hanging on, Phil Jones, and start fresh. And he needs to identify who he's going to build that squad around. And he needs to figure out one or two players from his experience, be it an Ajax, be it ex-Ajax, be it whatever it is, that he's going to build, bring in to be his guy in the dressing room and assume control of that dressing room. Yeah, Dave, the transfers are interesting because there's strong talk of De Jong from Barcelona. Mm. Uh, this is coming from really high-up sources. Uh, they call it a tier one source who has connections with Barcelona and seemingly the club want to sell him. I don't believe the young really wants to, to, to leave the club, yeah. but because of their financial position that he, he's probably going to be sold uh, on. I think Manchester United are probably the only ones who will pay bigger money than anyone else. So yeah. that puts them in prime position. 
in that regard, but I'm sure that De Jong will want to play Champions League football and rather than possible conference. Yeah, the uh, the only football. lure would be working with Ten Hag again, I'd imagine. Uh, th- that's it, and Ten Hag. So then, of course, off the back of that, then the list gets talked about. Now, there's nothing certain about that or that, and there, just, yeah. that's just a, a huge rumor. Um, also, they're they're talking about Hugo Inteke, who uh, plays for Rem. Uh, he's only 19 years of age, striker. Uh, they call him. He already has a tag. The next Henri, uh, <laughs> but he he's played twenty three games. Team Martial was something similar. Beware, so, I mean, something similar. Yeah, I I I watched. I've only watched clips of him. I just seen that. Yeah, I I don't see anything amazing. I I see a decent player. Uh, he scored nine goals in twenty three games in in uh, League One this year or League One. Uh, so, it, listen, there's going to be all sorts of rumors yeah. out there. But who he gets in will be interesting. Is it going to be youth? Is it going to be start fresh again and, and, and try and just get rid of the whole lot of them? Does he have to go with experience down through the spine of the team? What, mm. what would be your way of looking at it? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny, funny, funny one because I think there is a lack of talent out there really as well at the moment. If you if we all sat here and said, who would you, who would you like? Now be realistic because some players are just not going to go. It's as simple as that. I'd struggle to kind of come up with 10 players in total that I, geez, I'd love him in my side over anyone I have. I, th- I think we are lacking a little bit in talent. So it's going to be very much a strange, I think it could be a strange season. I think there'd be a few kind of who's this, who's that. I think he'll definitely pull in one or two from Holland. There's no two ways. I'd be shocked if he doesn't at least bring somebody from Ajax. Um, he like and like I asked the clubs that they are they scout well they know a lot of young talent they watch all over um, South America and whatever so he'll be looking at some of the prospects that they were looking at and maybe bringing them in so I won't be surprised if you hear of 18 to 19 year olds from potentially your South Americas and even obviously Holland from other clubs mm. because um I, I, they'll definitely have a bit of youth but he's got to be clever as well and make sure he he does have that bit of experience like a Frankie Dion will be a dream scenario because he's a good player and obviously he's an ex uh, Ten Hag player so it shouldn't be too much of a uh, like a bedding in period uh, other than just getting up to speed with, with Premier League football but like I said it like like last year name wise they were big but I don't think they're going to be as big as that this year I don't think there's that many around and available and the, see this is the other thing do they try and be sensible because this is the problem United are overpaying and that's half the problem. They've lads on three and four and five hundred grand a week, and that's part of the problem. Like that's why Liverpool potentially are going to lose a Salah or Mane because, you know, they don't sell their soul in, in that sense. And that's why Wijnaldum, they weren't giving him a rise because he was 30, 31, and he went and tripled his, his wages at Paris. And look at him now. So that's the other thing where the the running the club now they'll have to go. Listen, we can't go and get uh, Ronaldo's and Sancho's and Brands anymore, and start paying them half a million contracts or and they've also freebies. Ca- for- Dave, they've got to call their bluff as well, as you said, like with Ronaldo. Yeah, off, off you go, go to, yeah. to greener yeah. pastures, and then they find out it's not actually that green. Because, like, look at yeah, exactly, and look at Mata and, and Matic. They're probably on a, like Mata's on something like two hundred grand a week, two hundred fifty grand a week, and he's been there for years. Like, why? What? Why, why? Like, that's United's fault. I've nothing against Mata, but that's United's fault. Like, you shouldn't shouldn't be doing that. So this Eric is where Boye, Dave, Eric Boye signed a contract, an extra extension last year because of the money. And he actually yeah. came out and went, sure, where would I get this anywhere else? Yeah. If that so isn't that's why it's going to be interesting what they do. I don't think it's going to be a lot of big names. I think it's going to be good, honest players who are going to turn United into a bloody awkward side again and make them more of a team. And then slowly but surely build up the, the status. And the, and, and I don't think they'll, I, I will probably, maybe Frankie Young is, that's a great rumor because of the links and whatever. That'd be a big name without a shadow of a doubt. 
But I think it'll be players that he would have known already. I really don't know they're going to be all that. Wow, that's a big name signing because unfortunately United aren't at that level. It's very similar to say Liverpool 10, 15 years ago. We all dreamed of getting these players' names in the rumours, but they would never come near us at the time. And I think that's where, unfortunately, that's where United are at the moment. And I think it's going to be another year or two before they can get them guys again, unless they they pay the stupid money. Yeah, I think it's going to be players who are hungry and they're normally the younger players so it'll 100%. be interesting to see okay we're going to leave it there thanks very much Dave thanks very much Neil huge week next week we've also Actually, got the, the Europa League during the week which is Frankfurt against Rangers, Rangers. so we, yeah that, there's a hundred thousand apparently going is, uh, uh, yeah, they're actually opening up another stadium for them I think yeah. to go and watch it so that, that'll be and interesting Actually, it, over on, there yes and uh, uh, just a credit to uh, Ange Postacoglu as well, the nobody that everyone knew nothing about. And we, I yeah. hoped he'd win just purely to show that there's talent out there around more football. It's not just from certain countries or certain clubs. Like, and uh, credit to him for turning it around this year, big time. Absolutely, because we talked about it at the start of the season. We talked about how much of a mess that Celtic were in. He had yeah. stepped in. He was only yeah. in for two or three games, and we were yeah. talking about that. But he has turned that around absolutely brilliantly. So absolutely no doubt about that. Good shout, Dave. Okay, we will talk to you next week. Uh, looking forward to it. Really excited. Uh, and we'll talk about all the ins and outs and ups and downs and the roundabouts then. Thanks very much. <laughs>